Well, this today is uh, and next week we're talking about stewardship, and it's one of those things that, you know, we always, it's kind of an in-house thing. What I mean by that is it's something that many churches do where we talk about, um, you know, financial giving. And as a pastor, I really don't like talking about it too much because we often have that reputation of, oh, churches are just after your money and stuff like that. Um, and so, uh, but it's important. And so if you're here and you're a visitor or you're, you know, checking us out, this, we are talking about kind of an in-house thing, like how we uh, give our money to our church and stuff. But I've hopefully, hopefully I'll give you some principles. I'll give everybody principles to think about financial stewardship. And that word stewardship is important, all right? It's not just financial giving, but it's stewardship. That is sort of a gospel-centered idea of how we approach everything in life. In other words, God has given us all things. Everything comes from God, including our finances, but all things that he has given us bountifully and that we really don't own anything because you can't take it with you, right? No matter how much stuff you have, you know, when, when, it's, when it's time to, to uh, you know, call the funeral home, you, you can't bring that stuff with you. So we have this idea that all things are from God and that we are his stewards. All right? We are his caretakers. So he gives us all that we have. He entrusts us with all that we have. And he entrusts us with that, not just so we provide for ourselves, although he, that's why he gives it, but so that also we would advance his kingdom. Right? So he entrusts us, not just for ourselves, but so that we would advance what he is doing. And that's what stewardship is. We're steward. We're t- caretakers. Now, one of the only reasons I do like Stewardship Sunday and talking about stewards because I get to do my Jimmy Stewart impression. Out <laughs> a boy, Clarence. Um, so, yes. Right. So that's why I, I do like Stewardship Sunday for that reason. Um, and for those of you who are younger, just look up Jimmy Stewart. And uh, he's not with us anymore, but he had a wonderful life. Um, <laughs> And so we have these uh, stewardship cards, all right? You, you got one of these, and we're going to be collecting these next week. But we gave them out, and on one side, it talks about financial giving. And on the other side, and this is what we'll talk about next week, is giving of our time and our talents. And uh, so take this home, uh, think about what we talk about today, and, and prayerfully consider um, how you can um, support uh, your local church, Second Baptist. Uh, so, and I'll talk about those more. So, a lot of folks want to know, all right, well, you know, if I'm, you know, as, as a member of the church, you know, what, how much should I give? What's, what, what's the, you know, what should I do and all of that stuff? And we're going to talk about that today. A lot of people talk about tithes, right? You're giving of your tithes and offerings. Well, that word tithe comes from 10%. Right? So, in the Old Testament, there's a uh, some commands, right, that bring 10% to the storehouse. And so a lot of folks, and myself included, like that's how we think of, uh, to begin thinking about our financial giving, that all right, 10% I'll give to the Lord's work at least, and then uh, bring it to the local storehouse. And that's taken from a lot of uh, scriptures in the Old Testament. But I want us to encourage us to move past this idea of, all right, what I call moralism, in other words, that, all right, just give me a command so that I know what to do. 
Right? That's moralism. Christianity is not a moralistic religion. Christianity is a gospel-centered religion which talks about a transformation of our heart. And so when we go about financial giving or anything about, all right, just tell me what to do. Give me a number and I'll do it. We kind of um, miss out on the idea of gospel-centered stewardship. So, yes, there are scriptures that talk about 10%. Uh, for instance, Malachi 3, 8 through 10 says this, and this is where a lot of people get that idea of tithe. It says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. So like scriptures like this, this is where folks get, all right, you know, 10% off the top. God commanded it, so I'm going to do it. And as an expression of faith, I know that he'll provide if I do that. Um, and again, that's what Wendy and I, that's where we've come to that place. Um, but, and so many people want a concrete number. All right, what number? But here's the thing, again, is that this is a fine practice, 10%, it's a fine practice. And in fact, if every Christian gave 10%, uh, we'd be off the charts. We would no longer have a deficit. So I'm not saying 10% is not good. I'm just saying that God has given us all things. He's given us life. He's given us uh, eternal life. He's given us his son. He's poured grace down upon us. And so gospel kind of stewardship is not like, all right, what do I need to do? All right, here's my 10%. I'm done. Gospel-centered stewardship is everything I have is from God. Everything is a blessing from him. And so how can I advance his kingdom? How can I use all the things that I have, including finances, but also my time and my talents, to not just provide for myself, but to uh, extend his kingdom because I trust him? And so, yes, that Malachi scripture has got some good principles in it, but I want us to look at some other New Testament scriptures that I think will help guide us in how do we think about money as Christians? How do we think about stewardship? And we're going to look specifically at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 12. And here, Paul is taking up a collection for the church in Jerusalem, and he's writing to the church in Corinth, and this is um, in the, the church in, in uh, Jerusalem is going through a famine. They're, they're struggling, and Paul is going through his, the churches that he's familiar with, taking up a collection to support them. So it's not directly tied to, all right, your regular giving, but I think there's important principles uh, here. So if we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 12, um, what would you like to hear? Context, yes, thank you, thank you. One of these days, everyone's just going to be like, context! And I'm going to be like, Psh, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so the context of 2 Corinthians 9, our particular scripture, is actually all of chapters 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians, all of chapters 8 and 9, because in those two chapters, the Apostle Paul talks about, I'm coming to you, ch the church in Corinth, and when I, went, when I passed by before, you had pledged that you were going to support the church in Jerusalem. And so I'm coming back through, and when I come back through, I'll pick up that uh, collection and so that's the context, and they had made a pledge. And in fact, as Paul is going through the other churches, and he tells 
in, in fact, the, church in Mace, the churches in Macedonia, like the church in Philippi, you might have heard of that, the church in Thessalonica, you might have heard of that, in Berea, they give beyond their means. In chapter 8, verse 3, it says that because they hear that, oh, the church in Corinth, they're giving to the, uh, the church, so we want it as well. And in, as Paul is headed to Corinth from Macedonia, uh, chapter 9, verse 5 says this, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction. So this letter, 2 Corinthians, is now in our Bible. And Paul, he sent it to the Corinthians, not just so they would be spiritually prepared for when Paul arrives, but also that they would get their pledges up that they had pledged so that when Paul arrived, he wouldn't have to pressure them. It wouldn't be awkward because he wants them to give freely. He wants to give them not under pressure or have people think that it's extortion or something like that. So he's like, I'm sending these two brothers ahead so that you can get that ready so that when I come, again, we're not talking money. And we're not giving people the impression that, oh, the Apostle Paul is just after our money and stuff. And I think that's a good principle. That's why we do this sort of pledge. You know, we ask, we have a stewardship Sunday, but there's no high pressure. This is between you and God. I don't know about how much anyone gives other than me. Um, and I think that's wise because God, as we'll see from this scripture, is after our hearts. He's after faith and the hearts behind giving. And so it's not about high pressure. It's not about, you know, me selling prayer cloths or anything crazy like that. It's about people seeing all that God has done and saying, I want to be a part of what God is doing. And so let me give to that. All right, so that's, that's the context. So let's read our scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 12. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplied seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be rich, enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. All right, let's look at some of the principles here that jump out. I think the first principle we see from the scripture is that the, of investment and return. It's true in the natural world, but it's also true in the spiritual world. In other words, the more seed you sow, right, the more plants will come up. Um, that the more you invest, the more return you get on your investment. And Paul is using that as an analogy of, all right, what are you investing in? That if you want a, a crop of spiritual uh, growth, if you want God's kingdom to increase, are you investing in that kingdom? Or is your investments, are you putting money just in earthly things? Because if you're putting money just in earthly things, what will be your harvest? Earthly things. 
But he, he's saying, no, you've been, you've been saved, you've been reconciled. God is um, on a mission, and he's included you so that you would bring the good news throughout the world, that you would uh, uh, lift up the poor and the downtrodden, and you can be a part of that. And, and so he's encouraging the Corinthians, like, yeah, invest in the eternal, and you'll have an eternal, um, eternal return. So that's one concept. So the, the more seed that you sow, the more return there is. So, you know, one denarius helps one person in the name of Christ. Two denarii help two people. And then those two people who are helped in the name of, of Jesus, that's two people, as verse 12 says, overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So again, that makes sense, right? The, whatever you invest in, right, that is, you're going to get a return from that investment. So that's one principle that Paul points out. The other one, there's a couple more. The other is God is interested in the faith behind the action, all right? That, that if we're giving to, um, to, to God's agenda and God's program, that there has to be faith behind that action. In other words, the, first of all, you have to have the faith that there is the eternal, that there is a God, and that as you uh, give towards his kingdom, that that kingdom exists, right, and that he's doing something, so it takes that amount of faith. But there's also this faith behind the gift, and Malachi talks about this too, is that you trust God so much that you trust his kingdom that you know that ultimately he supplies all my needs, that he gives me all things. Everything that I have is from him, and he's the supplier of my needs, and so I can give to, to him and give to what he is doing understanding that, well, if it's towards him, he'll take care of me. He's taken care of me all this time, and he'll continue to take care of me. He'll supply our needs. And so we can be generous knowing, for instance, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Right? And here, the Greek, he, he, he piles up the pans, all right? And you may, what the world? Well, the word for all is pan. So there's panti, pantos, pantos. He puts them all together as if to say, yeah, all of that is from God. And because God pours all of that, you can be generous in your outpouring to God's work, knowing that he will supply our needs. So that's why I say that there's a faith behind the giving. That, that's, that when we give, there's an expression of our faith that says, yeah, I trust God. I trust that um, I can give this knowing that he supplies my needs. It's all from God. And so we can give of what we have because whatever we have is from God. And regardless of how little a person has, if a person wants to give, they can do so in dependence on God. And so like the Macedonians they, they had generally less than the Corinthians, but they trusted God's provision, and so that if they gave, God would take care of them. Because, again, all things are from his hands. And the faith behind the giving, I think, is important. And if we go back to, all right, well, how much should I give? And 10% and all this stuff is that, you know, Wendy and I, when we were young, when we gave 10%, it was, it was an act of faith because that 10% cut into um, things, you know, that we would need, like clothing and, and, and cars and all, all the stuff that we'd need to go to work. But I want to be very frank with you now. Our 10% is we don't have as much faith. We actually give more now than we ever have, but it doesn't take as much faith now because we've got lots of savings. 
And so I, I tell you this because is the, the faith behind the giving. I think like God is after our hearts. So whereas we gave less, but it took more faith 20 years ago. Now we give more, but it doesn't take as much faith because we have more savings. Do you see what I'm saying? It's that it's, and, and God convicts me and he says, oh, you know, you're, you're talking about giving as an expression of your faith, but yet you actually show less faith in your giving than you used to even though I give more. You see, that's what I mean by gospel-centered kind of stewardship, that it's an expression of our faith, that I, God has given me eternity. He has given me all things. He's blessed me so I can, by faith, give and just know that he'll take care of me. But in our affluence, we don't really do that anymore. And so Wendy and I, we've actually been praying about that. We've been praying about that this last year. God, how can we use all that you've given us to further your kingdom and not just uh, for ourselves? The other thing is God is interested in the heart. He's not only interested in the faith behind the actions, he is interested in the heart behind the action. So, uh, for instance, verse 7 says this, right? Each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So God loves generosity. God, he prizes not the size of the gift, but the giver's sincerity. And, and is it reluctant or is it joyful and willing? Or is it, is it under compulsion or is it full of cheerfulness? You see, in the New Testament, what do we see? We see that a lot of times when Jesus is teaching He'll say something like, oh, you know, you have heard it said, but I say to you, right? So, for instance, um, he says, you have heard it said, again, in the Old Testament law, you shall not commit murder. But I say to you, anyone who uh, hates a man in his heart has committed um, uh, murder already in his heart. Does that sound familiar? Right? He says, uh, you have heard it said. In other words, you've seen in the Old Testament law, you know, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who lusts after a woman in his heart has committed adultery with her already. So we see in the New Testament that God's vision for things is not just, hey, let me tell you what to do and you do it. It's a transformation of the heart. So that, and, and that makes sense because the New Covenant Right? Jesus institutes the new covenant. Yes, there's forgiveness, but there's also a gift of a new spirit and a new heart. So that it is a heart thing that we look at our heart and we say, all right, am I a cheerful giver? Yes, I, I can do my 10%, but am I doing it as a duty? Am I saying, oh, here's my 10%, I'm done? Or are we always trying to give God what is, you know, out of a joyful recognition that, that all he gives is, is ours to, to, yes, provide for ourselves, but to bless others. And so when we look at finances, when we look at money, do we see it as, all right, this is just one of the many gifts God has given me, and it's a tool. It's a tool that can be used to advance his kingdom, or it can be a, a, a tool just to advance my own kingdom. Right? And what's in my heart? Do I have that faith? In my heart, do I want to uh, use this that God has given me? He's entrusted it with me. Do I, am I a good steward and want to give it um, for God and his purposes? And that's one of the reasons why money is such a tricky topic um, in the church and all these things. Because, um, 
you know, we see the TV preachers, right? And it's pretty clear, like Jesse Duplantis and Kenneth Copeland, that, like, they, that, you know, money is not just a tool. It's like the, it's the point of everything, you know? And then trying to always get more money to buy a private jet and all of this. And people see that and say, wait a minute, is, is this, it, are you using money to advance God's kingdom or are you using God's kingdom to advance your own and to get more money? And so what's our attitude towards that? And when we look at that, do we see our money as our money and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna use it or withhold it uh, de depending on, uh, you know, if things are to my liking or not, or do we say, no, this God, you've given me this, and so I want to give it back. You see, it's the heart, it's the faith behind it. And so these last two points, they really emphasize the importance of the gospel, that our faith in Christ transforms how we think about everything, how we think about God. It transforms our heart. It transforms our will. And the gospel is about God's radical generosity, that he paid the debt for all of our sins, right? He paid all of our debt. Any debt we owed to God, he paid it through Christ. And so therefore, we're free eternally. We're debt-free eternally. And because of that, we can give back. So 2 Corinthians 8, 9. So this is in our context. Paul says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. So even the poorest Christian on earth has an eternal weight of riches in Christ. And we have to remember that. That's why I said gospel stewardship understands that, man, God has given me eternity. He's the, the inheritance that I have as a child of God is abounding so that even if I am dirt poor, even if I have trouble finding what to eat today, I can rejoice that he has given me eternity. And so if we are, are thinking about the gospel, you know, and, and we're thinking about our, our financial giving, I would say this as an application. You know, before you check your wallet or before you, you know, fill out this pledge card, we each need to check our hearts and check our faith and prayerfully consider, how do I view Christ? How do I view all that I have? Because it's much more important and before you put a check in the plate, before you fill out that pledge card, it's so much more important that you come to grips with who Christ is and what he's given because, you know, as your pastor, I don't want you just to, to follow certain commands and do this because you're supposed to. I want you to understand the massive beauty and gift that is Christ who's canceled all of our debts. So anything we do is just an expression of love, an expression of faith because what he's done in Christ. And so maybe that's what you need to do. You're like, yeah, I'm not there. Well, then instead of checking, you know, writing a check, what you should do is get into the Word and, 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 and think and, and pray about what Christ has done, with, done for you and, and let that inform your stewardship. And then express your faith through gospel-inspired gospel stewardship, right? We've all been given abundance, so we give abundantly knowing that we can't outgive God. So, so giving is an expression of faith. So is, so for instance, coming today, right? The Sabbath principle is also an expression of faith. 
that we can not work today and come worship God because we know even if we lose out on certain um, income because we're not working on Sundays, that God will provide for us. And it's the same thing with money that we give. We're like, all right, I can give this as an expression that, you know, God's ultimately taken care of me. So it's an expression. And so again, you might say, well, how much? Just give me a number. I'm not going to give you a number. This is between you and God. And the New Testament actually suggests that different Christians should give different percentages. Um, so as, as Craig Blomberg points out in a Christianity Today article, maybe I'll post that on our Facebook, that there's, in Luke 18 through 19, there's this trio of texts that appear in close proximity. And you might have heard of them. There's one is the rich young ruler. Jesus tells the rich young ruler, hey, go sell everything, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And then a couple, uh, uh, the next chapter, we have Zacchaeus, and Jesus commends Zacchaeus. He gives half of what he gives, and Jesus says, that's great. And then, not long after that, there is the parable of the, the servants who invest different amounts of money that Jesus has given them, and they have different returns. And so, not one size fits all. Not only that, but in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul points out that you give from what you have, not from what you don't have. The Corinthians, right, they had more. They were a very prosperous church, so they were to give more. But the Christians in Jerusalem, they didn't have anything. So they weren't actually giving anything. They were receiving. That was their time. So different times call for different things. And, and, and so if you were say, well, how much did the Jerusalem Christians give? Well, like minus 10%. Because they were receiving. They were in need. That's what Christianity is about, is that, is that we follow this Christ. He provides for us, but he often provides through his people. And so Paul is saying, I'm going to provide for this church in Jerusalem because, Corinthians, right now you have an abundance. And so you're going to help them out because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So, for instance, 2 Corinthians 8, 12 through 14, he says this. He says, for if the readiness is there... It is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So in other words, you can't give if you don't have anything. And that's okay, he says. The Jerusalemites, they didn't have anything, so they couldn't give. But verse 13, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that is a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. So it's, no fixed percentage could ever adequately define what is too much or too little in all situations of life. And so, yes, that's, that's uh, again, the, the New Testament thing is less about a percentage and more about it's all God's. And, you know, as I've been talking about these, you know, pledge cards and whatnot, as I said, this is one way that we fulfill our membership covenant uh, when you become a member of the church, you, you agree to this covenant, and a part of that covenant is, yeah, I'm going to help support the church, but I also can expect the church, my brothers and sisters, to support me when I need it. And in fact, we have a, um, you know, a benevolence fund. I forget the right name for it now, but it's basically a fund that we have that when members need money, um, when they're down, um, then, then we help them. Like, that's a part of it. And, and so membership is about that. It's not just responsibilities, although there is that. There's also 
privileges, right, that you can expect to be taken care of. And by the way, if you're not a member of the church, I'm pulling together a membership class. Some people are interested in that, and so see me, um, and we can talk about what does membership mean at Second Baptist. But one of the ways that we express uh, and live out our covenant, right, is filling out our pledge cards so we can plan for the future. The other thing I want to say is, oh, there's a pledge card. Um, also, as a leader of the church, our church leadership, we also have to understand that the money that is given to the church is, we have to be good stewards of that as a church, right? That as a church, we need, it's not our money, it's God's money who is, he's entrusted it to us, not just as individuals, but as a church. So we have to be good stewards of that money. We have to make sure that we have good financial practices and, and everything's transparent so that, you know, there's nothing hidden and, and we do that. Uh, but also that when people give money to the church, we have to have that idea of, wait a minute, this, this money is, is to advance God's kingdom. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, you know I keep harping on our mission, but it's important that if our mission is to worship God, to love people, and to grow Christ followers, then we're responsible to say, no, that's what we're actually doing. And, and so when people give money to the church, they can be like, yeah, what is it for? What does the church do? Well, they worship God, they love people, and they grow Christ followers so that you know that when you're giving money that it's going to that. There's not some hidden agenda. There's not other things. And yes, we have a lot. To, we have to do a lot better at this mission. But still, that's that's an important thing. That this is not our money. Like this is the Lord's money that He's given, and it's entrusted to us as a church body. And we have to be good stewards of it as a church body as well. And we try to do that. So those are some concepts. Next week, I'm going to talk more about the other side of that card. We're going to collect those pledge cards next week so that you can pray about them and think about it. Uh, and next week, we're going to talk about the other side, that it's a good, being a good steward is not just about financial stewardship. It's also about stewarding our time and our treasures. But my friends, let's not settle for this moralistic attitude of, you know, 10%, forget it. No, we're, we're, we're called to be good stewards, not just of 10%, but of all that God has given us. We're called to be good stewards of 100% of what we have. And again, it's not just uh, um, treasure, it's time and talents. And so yeah, maybe you don't have, you're, maybe you're in a point in your life where you don't have a lot of money, but you have time. Be a good steward of the time. Give from your abundance of time, or you have a lot of talents, but you don't have much money. Well, give it out of the abundance of your talents. See, that's why we need one another as the body of Christ. Just as the Apostle Paul said, hey, Corinthian church and Jerusalem church, you can support one another as a body right here. We can support one another. There's certain times where you can't give much money, but again, you can give other stuff, or it's the opposite, where, yeah, you have an abundance of money, but you don't have much time, and everyone has talents, right? Everyone has some talent to give. But let's not think about this pledge as this is what I've got to do, or, or, well, I guess I'm supposed to, you know, do this or that. Rather, think in light of the gospel. Think about how God has given all things to us through Christ, that the, that the vast debt of sin, he has paid it all so that we can walk in freedom, that even the things we have today are a gift from him. And in light of that, we just like, God, I want to give some back. I want to cheerfully give some back to your, for your purposes to, to uh, 
to advance your kingdom and not just my own. So let's, let's pray, but I want our prayer right now to, to lead into prayer this week as you think about, all right, what, how do I steward my finances? How do I steward my time? Let's pray. Dear God, first of all, we thank you that, we, we, as we just sang, God, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Lord, your blessings flow down upon us, and we're so grateful that you give us uh, food, shelter, abundance. And Lord, there are some people here who are having a difficulty financially or they're watching online. Lord, I pray that you provide for them and that you provide for them through us. But Lord, many of us, we have an abundance. And so we pray that you would give us that mindset of understanding the, the greatness, the, the beauty and the wonderful gifts and blessings you've poured down upon us right here and now, but also eternally. And from that, Lord, show us, show each one of us how we can give to your kingdom. Um, And Lord, yes, show us, challenge us. But Lord, may we do it out of a heart that's overflowing with faith in you and overflowing, God, with, with love and joy and cheerfulness because you are our God. Thank you, Lord, for your provision. Thank you for the opportunity to step into what you're doing um, and participate in what you're doing through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. Um, Lord, may we do this cheerfully. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.